Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here's a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. So today is Mark chapter 7. I'm going to be going through this first portion, this first section, starting at verse 1. It says, The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who came from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. Now, as a parent, I start to cringe because my kids now have biblical evidence of why they should eat without washing their hands first, right? They're like, well, WWJD, what would Jesus do, right? He would eat without washing his hands. Now, it says here in verse three, Mark is explaining this. This is the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the traditions of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they don't eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So like at first glance, these verses, as you're reading through these, these aren't bad things, right? Like washing your hands before eating, good. Washing your cup out, good. Washing your pitcher out, good. It's all these good things. What they haven't realized is this. God set in place certain laws, certain regulations, uh, certain rules that would be a benefit to them. And over the years, they added hundreds more themselves that became more important than actually God himself. So it became about following all these rules. And unfortunately, even in America, maybe across the world, a lot of churches, a lot of Christians get caught up in this too. It's called legalism. When we are doing all of these things for God and doing them becomes more important than knowing him. So in verse five, it says this. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating uh, their food with defiled hands? Again, what was Jesus' first message in Mark 1? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He's saying, you gotta change the way you think. You have to think differently. You have to walk away from the ways you used to live and into the kingdom. The kingdom operates differently. There's new definitions, new lifestyle, a new way of doing things. So this is Jesus' reply, and it was a strong rebuke. He replied, Isaiah was right. He's quoting from Isaiah chapter 29, starting at verse 13. He says, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it was written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human roles. In verse eight, he goes on to say, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. I started to think about, you know, even in the natural, how many of us as families have traditions like long up in in our lineage that would be like counterproductive today. Like three or 400 years ago in your own family line, it very well may have been a custom at night to bring in the cows and the horses right into your house to warm your house. Good tradition, good custom, nice and cozy. It'd be completely unsanitary today, right? unproductive, like, no way, do not do that. This is what happened, is they put things into place. Their heart was right, their motives were right as they were putting these things into place, but it began to be counterproductive with their walk with the Lord to the point where Jesus is saying to them, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are so far from me. Telling them that they're worshiping in vain and that they're using mere human roles. 
You know, he has a similar rebuke for them in Matthew 23. You don't have to flip there. You can say in Mark 7. I just want to read it to you. Verse 25, he's talking to the same people, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish. How many of you know he's not talking about a natural cup and dish, Right? And then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs. Then we see Jesus walking around all soft, <laughs> lay him on his shoulder. Listen, these are strong rebukes. He says, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of, bone, the, are, are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear uh, to people as righteous, but on the inside you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. So he's, what he's talking about here is making sure the motive of the heart is right. So then the actions will then be right. right. How many times do you do that, right? You come into church with a smile on your face. Everything's fine. It's great. It's wonderful. But inside, like you're hurting, you could actually use somebody to support you and pray. We, we, are, we have such a concern about that facade in life that just like the Pharisees, though we are not Pharisees, but just like them in those situations, sometimes we can start going through a religious routine and our heart's not actually connected to it. Verse nine, back in Mark seven, he continues. He says, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses says, honor your mother and father. So he's giving an example of Moses saying, Honor your father and mother. Anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But if you say that if anyone declares that what might, be, what might have been used to help their father and mother is Corbin, that means that that money or those resources is supposed to be devoted to God. Verse 12 says, then you no longer let uh, them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many things like that. So I want to just take a look real quick at these six things that, that Jesus, I mean, he rebuked them six different times, right, starting at verse six. First thing, they honored God with their lips. Their hearts, was far, their hearts were far. They worshiped God in vain. Their teachings were human roles. They let go of God's, the commands of God. They were holding on to human tradition. They were setting aside the commands of God in order to observe what? Their own traditions. And they nullified the word of God by the traditions that were handed down. Now, it would not be accurate of us to step into the shoes of a Pharisee and say, we're going to compare ourselves. Like, I don't need you going home and saying, well, Pastor Kirk called me a, a whitewashed tomb and a, you know, a Pharisee. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is when I read these verses, I ask myself, am I doing any of these things? I'm not, I'm not like in guilt or condemnation. I'm a horrible person. When I see Jesus saying these things, it hits my heart. And I think that's a good thing. It's not always just like, yay. No, I want to know, am I honoring you with my lips, but my heart is far from you? Am I, am I caught up in some type of religiosity? Am I, even when last time we took communion, like it, it grieves me to think that we just take this once a month and people don't even think, well, this is just our tradition. Are we actually meditating and thinking about the body and blood of Jesus at that time? So I think it's good, I think it's good to think through and ask the Lord, are any of these things in my life right now? And immediately ask him then, cleanse me of that. Get me right back on, the, uh, on a fresh start with you. 
Now, I know we're running just a little bit late, but I do want to give time at the end of service. And if you'll need to go, that's perfectly fine for you just to be able to respond, to come forward and just spend time alone with the Lord at the altar if the, any of these things are pinging your heart. You know, if we look at some of these, these things from this list here, uh, I believe that some of these are in place in our life. You know, have you ever honored God with your lips, but realized your heart wasn't too close to him? So imagine yourself, I think we've probably... Uh, all done it when, you know, we're maybe we're getting in our car and we're running just a little bit late and we throw on the iTunes or throw on the K-Love and it hits it like Waymaker comes on. You start to sing and you're like, Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. You're like, get out of my way, you jerk. My God, that is who you are. Right? I'll admit it. I've been in ministry 15 years and I'll still admit it. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. Like, right in the middle of a worship song, we're so mad at the guy that just cut us off. <laughs> that is honoring God with our lips, but our hearts are not close to him. <laughs> like maybe even this morning, right? Worship song starts, hands go up, and boom, you're in the zone. You know the zone. What am I gonna cook for dinner? That would be Sharice, not me, because that's dangerous. <laughs> How are we going to get our kids to all of our practices this week? Oh my goodness, that bill's overdue, right? Do you ever do that? Like your body's going through all of these motions and your mind is completely out there. I, don't, I, don't, I actually think Jesus finds that humorous and he just draws us back in. Like, don't feel bad. Don't feel condemned if your mind goes off. Just get right back with him. I used to feel bad about that. I'm like, oh my goodness, God, I can't pay attention to you for like more than five minutes. And so then I just have a journal, like with where I'm praying, I'll write stuff down if my mind goes off and then just get back with him, right? So don't use these things as like Jesus yelling at you. It's just an opportunity to get back into his presence. Jesus, it's the main thing, right? One of his rebukes was about teaching with human roles. I started thinking about that from us, like in a church setting, how if we find out uh, somebody calls himself a Christian, but they don't attend church and even worse off, they don't attend our church. How in, a con how in a conversation, you can actually begin to manipulate things to the point where like, well, I wouldn't want to be in your shoes on judgment day because they don't come into a church. Maybe they've been deeply hurt by a church. Maybe a pastor or you know, someone from the church like abuse them and they're having a really hard time. What we do is we put these human roles on, like God's going to check their attendance sheet on judgment day to see if they are a Christian. I heard it said once, like, coming to church does not make you a Christian, just like coming into a garage does not make you a car. But I've heard Christians argue about that over church attendance. Do I, do I wish that every person that calls himself a Christian is in a church every single Sunday for worship, receiving of the word, giving and receiving of their spiritual gifts? Absolutely. But we still have to make Jesus the main thing and not our human roles. So Jesus says in a quick series of statements, they let go of the commands of God. They were setting aside the commands of God and they nullified the word of God. So letting go of that, it means that you no longer have the grasp on what the heart of God is in the situation. You are so concerned about doing the things that we've lost, we've lost this grip of the heart of God in that specific situation. Setting aside his commands means simply your focus is on something else, right? You've set one thing aside and now you're focused on doing the right thing. You're focused on getting your Bible reading plan done or saying the right things or looking the right way, but you've actually set aside what he would want you to accomplish in that day. And nullifying the word 
means that you have made ineffective the power of the word in your life. What did they do? They put tradition above transformation. They put their customs above compassion. And they put rules above relationships. And I do believe each believer has come into seasons before where we will do those things. We'll get caught up in how somebody else is living and we're gonna put our, our Christian customs above compassion to actually find out what's happening in their life. Instead, we use it as hypocrisy, right? We're doing something that's actually working against the system that God put in place called his kingdom. I was reminded today or last night when I was reading over these, uh, in fifth grade, uh, in Emerson Elementary, we got, the fifth graders used to, uh, were allowed to be safety patrols. Remember those like orange, like plastic belts you'd put on? Like we thought we were cool, so we wouldn't wear them on our shoulder. We would wear them like down here and we'd walk around. So uh, my father didn't, I don't remember him picking me up from school often, but this one day he did. So the safety patrol was in charge of two things. The main goal was safety. The two rules that we had to enforce were walking on the sidewalks and do not walk on the grass. So we had two main entrances at Emerson. There was a walkway here and then uh, on each side. And then it would meet in the middle. Then the buses would pick kids up and then parents could come. And I don't know why I remember this, probably for today. And I have my belt on and somebody starts to cut the corner just a little bit short on the grass. They come on the grass. So safety patrol, I take off running across the grass. Get off the grass. <laughs> so I get into the car again. My mom's here. I don't, I don't remember my dad picking me up hardly at all, but that was the day. He's like, Kurt, what are you doing out there? I was getting people off the grass. <laughs> Weren't you supposed to stay off the grass and walk? Of course they were on the grass. How did you get to them? Across the grass? <laughs> how? By running. <laughs> right? I was so concerned with how everybody was following all the rules that I completely lost the heart of like safety. So all of these commands are in place. Jesus has simplified these for us in Matthew twenty-two thirty-six. 36. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Again, they're trying to catch him. And he says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. It's the first and greatest. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So he simplifies these things, but even as Christians in the New Testament, the new covenant, grace, not law, and we're looking at this first one here. Okay, how do I love the Lord with all of my heart, soul, and mind? Well, in Christendom, in the Christian world, we set things in place like church attendance, Bible reading, and prayer. But again, some of you might be here today out of obligation, no desire to worship the Lord or learn from him, right? You can admit that to the Lord and ask him to soften your heart. Because I actually believe he wants you coming into this room with a desire to receive from him, to pour yourself out to him, and then to interact with other people. But we can get caught up in that. Another thing, again, Bible reading. Uh, I would encourage you, see, for me, like I'm in Mark for myself, for what to preach on on Sunday. 
And then also for two different pilot groups that I have going on right now, like two different small groups trying to learn a process of discipleship. That's a lot of Mark. It's like a lot of reading the same chapter over and over again. So what I have found in this season is I'll go back to the Psalms. So a couple of days a week, I'll hang out in the Psalms and just read through. I'm in, I'm in like 46 through like mid fifties right now. He just has me there. And it's refreshing to do. Have you ever caught yourself doing that? Like you're gonna read your chapter because that checkbox is on your list and you gotta get it done and you check it, but you're actually, you're like, your heart isn't tied into that thing. Or prayer, have you ever found yourself in prayer? You're saying, God, I love you. You're wonderful, you're beautiful, you're perfect, you're all powerful, and you completely are disengaged, like thinking of other things. Right, this is some of the stuff that Jesus is talking about. Fasting, if you've ever fasted and it really was like a hunger strike, like you didn't eat for a couple of days, but you didn't spend more time in prayer or worship. And you're like, I just simply skipped my meals rather than like actually dying to your flesh. Serving. Oh, I gotta be put on that schedule one more time. Right, think about some of these things that we say when God wants us to approach this in a fresh way. For instance, I don't know that God at the end of time will ask you how many verses you memorized. I think what's more concerning to him is that as you're memorizing and as you're reading scripture, that it comes and hits your heart, right? It actually is in you. I don't think he's gonna have, like, like have this tally sheet of how many days you fasted, but how the Holy Spirit was able to move in your life when you did, or even how you served. I don't think he has gold star stickers for us. Like when we come face to face, you were in five ministries, good job. I think it's all actually about stewardship. Like I've given you gifts, how did you utilize them for his glory? So I think that we've complicated this thing. I think we need to make sure we're not playing church, not inside these walls and not even in life in general. I don't wanna play Christian. This is real and this is about Jesus, right? I don't wanna get caught up in the rules. I don't wanna get caught up in the regulations. I don't wanna get caught up even in habits. I would encourage you, maybe, maybe even in your daily habit, walking with the Lord, switch up your prayer time. Or instead, if you have like this long list of prayers that you're just trying to plow through, maybe don't even pray through that one day and just listen to worship music and just spend time worshiping him, right? It's like some people would tell you, like drive home a different way if you've been driving back and forth to work for 25 years. Freshen things up to make sure you're not going through a religious routine or a tradition and just showing up every week or every day with the Lord. We want our hearts to be connected with them. In verses 14 all the way through 23, I'll just kind of summarize here. Jesus is talking about these things on the outside, not being able to defile someone on the inside. And it goes down to actually saying that in verse 19, for it doesn't go into the heart but the stomach, talking about food, and then out of the body. In saying this, he was declaring all foods clean. So he went on and he says, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. It is from within, out of the person's heart, that the evil desires come. And how many of you know, it's not just evil desires, it's good things that come out of our heart as well when we store these good things in our heart. Here is a part of a rebuke. So he's talking about sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, sentiment, listen, all these things coming from inside a defiled person. So I think Jesus is saying, go ahead and clean your cup. Go ahead and eat the foods that you think are clean. Go ahead and go through all your traditions. Go ahead and wear your best clothes on Sunday. Go ahead and smile at everybody. But in the end, if you have forgotten the heart of God, 
God is a lover of your soul, that you've been made clean by the blood of Jesus, that you're his child, that he wants to spend time with you. You know, you've, you, we've heard the example before. If a husband and wife came to each other with a list of like five or six things that I need this from you and you need this from me, see you later, that's not a relationship, right? So we've complicated, we've made this like our, our approach militant in some ways. I believe God's just like, chill out and become my child again. Just come to me as a child and spend some time with me. Just sit in silence and think about him. Don't overcomplicate this thing. In Revelation 2.2, he's talking to, this is a message, a prophetic message to the church in Ephesus. He says, I know your deeds. You work hard in your perseverance. I know you cannot tolerate wicked people. Adam, you can come up at this time with your team. That you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Those two verses are awesome, huh? I would love Jesus to be able to say that to us like as individuals and as a church. To be able to say, I know your good deeds. You've worked hard. You persevered. You can't tolerate wickedness. You've tested different people out. You've identified ones that are just not following Jesus. You've persevered. You've endured hardships. You have not grown weary. Those things are awesome. They've worked really hard, done a lot of good things for Jesus. And in verse four, it says this, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Many of your translations over the years have said you've forsaken your first love. So what's the point in this verse? What's the point in all of these verses that's happening today is this. It's not about our outward actions. It's not about the style of our Bible. It's not even about on a Sunday morning if our hands were raised really high. Because again, you could have been thinking about what to make for dinner. So though we can express ourselves outwardly, really in the end, God just wants your heart once again. Like, can you imagine that if he's like, if he was to whisper to you and he's like, I'm not concerned with one thing you do for me. I just want you. Right? I just want you. We think we have to like want him first. We have to go after him and work really hard, work really hard, and then he'll be pleased with us. Because if we don't, what? He's frustrated with us. We've done all these bad things. And maybe he just wants to remind you today that he's a lover of your soul first, that we are to love him out of his love for us first. So do we still read our Bibles? Yeah. Do we still fast when he leads us to? Yes. We still worship? Yes. Please don't stop coming to church because of my example earlier. I just think he wants, I think he wants to remind us we've complicated this. We've complicated this. We've made it about a whole bunch of Christian stuff that we do. And he just wants us. He just wants us to, to be with him. It's as simple as that. That's really the desire of my heart is that we let a few moments go at the end of service today to just let God be with you and for you to be with him. Pretty simple, right? Why don't we stand at this time? You know, I would encourage you if you want to get out of the routine, if you want to get out of even just the people that are around you, you're welcome to come forward and just spend time with Jesus. I actually believe I'm not, I actually believe I'm not overarching and saying this, is I actually believe that these moments can change the course of your life. Because if you've been going down a good course, a hardworking course, but you've been missing the simplicity of being loved by Jesus, that your heart could become hardened 
toward other people, toward even the Christian faith because you work so hard to keep everything together and nice and neat. Instead of just becoming undone in front of him and saying, you know what, I'm a mess right now. I've even been faking it in front of you, God. I've been saying everything's great and actually I'm broken. I actually think he would want to hear that from you more than any of the fake facade that we put on at times. So again, you're welcome to come forward at the altar. I'm gonna spend some time down here. We're just gonna spend some moments with him and see what he wants to do in our lives. Thanks for listening. For more information, check us out at centralconnect.org.